Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Your seats. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our live stream today. To all who would be uh, tuning in from our Facebook family. If this is your first time, put a, uh, put a one and an ST next to it. Letting us know this is your first time watching us. If you're watching us again, thank you all. Welcome back. We appreciate having you watching the broadcast, and we pray that you continually receive something that will build your life. This is the Kingdom Life Christian Center. We are a non-denominational worship and praise teaching ministry with a vision to birth people into the kingdom of God and build them up with the word of God. We also here at this ministry teach the word with practical lifestyle application. So you're going to walk away having something that you can work with for this week. Amen? Amen, amen. And for all of you in the sanctuary, thank you so much for coming out. We know this is still a trying time where everybody's kind of concerned about the Delta and all of that stuff. But we know that God is the Alpha and the Omega. So everything is covered. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. So this morning, I want to share with you, I appreciate the opportunity. God is always good. You know, he, he speaks he speaks, and the thing is, you know, as I've learned from my pastor, it's like you learn first. It's, it's always for you first, and then you can share with the others, right? You know, it's not like I'm just giving you something that don't mean nothing to me. But I want you to use this scripture. This scripture, I think, will be a great scripture for you to meditate on this week. From Job, chapter 23, and verse 10. If we can get that on the screen, and we can read that, um, I think it will bless your heart. Amen. And uh, we're going to kind of go with the theme or the scripture of trusting the process. Trusting the process. That's, our, that's what we're talking about today. Trusting the process. Okay, so Joel 23 verse 10 reads like this. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Isn't that good? Um, I'll just talk a little bit about Job before I go into the rest of this. Um, if you have been around churchy people for any length of time, Brother Job comes up at some point, right? Because Brother Job went through quite a lot of trials and tribulations, boils. He lost his family. He lost all of his money, all of his his cattle and his his she she asses. I mean, she he lost everything, and you know, even his wife came and said, "Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you do that? Why don't you just give it up? Why don't you do what you know you shouldn't do?" So that you can be, sister, then you're looking good, sister. All right. <laughs> Why don't you do what you know you shouldn't do so that you can end it all? What's wrong with her? But anyway, that's another story for another time. But here comes Job in the midst of all that he's been going through. Because this is verse, this is chapter 23. If you know the book of Job, it goes all the way to like chapter 
42. So this is right back in the middle. There's more to go. And here is his declaration. But he, meaning Jehovah God, knows the way that I take. When he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So let's talk a little bit about what does it mean that he's tried me? Because we, talk, we always talk about trials and tribulation. We're going through, this one going through trials and tribulation. Because it's something that's hard. It's something that takes you, it takes you to another place. It's not your norm. It's not the pleasant place. It's not your wealthy place. It is difficult when you have to go through trials. And he says that when he, shall, when he had tried me, he shall come for this gold. Do you know that gold is usually put in a melting pot. So in other words, it needs an incredible amount of heat. Anybody been in a fire? You've been through some heat? Maybe God is purifying you. We sang that this morning, creating me a clean heart and purify me. But the purifying process it's not easy. All right. So it's not easy. And it says that when the, the gold is melted down, the, the filthiness, the impurities, they kind of rise to the top. They rise to the top. And they call that the dross. D-R-O-S-S. The dross. It's really just the garbage, the stuff, the junk that devalues the gold. So it's processed in this hot environment so that it can release the impurities. It's melted down so that the impurities can come to the surface and be skimmed off by the master goldsmith who is purifying the gold. Do you know it says that the way that the master goldsmith knows that the gold is pure is that when he looks at the melted gold, he can see his reflection in it. We're going to go somewhere with that today. He can see his reflection in pure melted gold. All right. I want you to turn with me to uh, Peter, First Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. I'm trusting my I'm trusting my handy dandy technician who is putting up the, the uh, scriptures on the screen, I'm not actually turning to it myself. So thank God for um, help and for support. Amen. First uh, Peter chapter one verse seven says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, perished. That's your faith is much more precious than gold. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So your trying of your faith might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's an end game. You're not just in the process to be in the process. There's an end game here. 
How many people have ever used a blender or a food processor? Right? You know what that's like. You know, you got to put the stuff in there. Even, even young Leo has said that he puts his hand up that he's used a, 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 one of those devices. Because what you do is like you, you, you put, sometimes you, depending on how powerful your food processor is, you can put in maybe big chunks of your fruit and maybe some of your uh, yogurt and, and your ice and everything, and you hit the button. Right, and it starts to, ta -ta 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 -ta. you hear it like it's loud because it's breaking up the ice and it's breaking up, you know, the fruit and it's, and then all of a sudden it, the sound changes, right? And it just goes a nice hum. And that's when you know the stuff is smooth and the texture is just right, right? Let's talk about, any, anybody, well, everybody knows what an apple is, right? No matter where you are in the world, I think, uh, you know, most people, I shouldn't say everybody, but most people know what an apple is. Yes. Most people. Did you think about this? That you can eat an apple, of course, in its raw state, right? So just straight off the tree, wipe it up a little bit if you picked it off the tree, and you can eat it fresh from the orchard, right, if you go apple pick it. Or maybe if you pick it up off of the ground because when it's really ripe, they fall, you pick them all up, you go wash it out, and you eat it. Whole, the whole fruit, you bite into it, it's juicy, it's wonderful, it's refreshing, it's great, right? That same apple, you can take it home and cut it up into maybe, um, you know, like thin slices. You might want to take out the core. You might peel it, okay? Put a little bit of cinnamon on there, a little brown sugar. Lay it out in some uh, graham crackers mixed with butter and formed into your pie dish. Put it out there, lay it out, cover it with a nice piece of, another piece of nice dough and you set it up. And what you did, you process, now this is, you process it, right? You cut it up in a different manner and you cooked it. And what comes out? Homemade apple pie. Mmm, very good. It's used for dessert. Could you give that to a child, a baby? What do we do for babies so that baby can ingest it? You take that same apple, take out the core, the skin, and you cut it up, and you put it in a blender with some water, and you let it process for a long time until it gets really smooth, no chunks, nothing that's going to cause the baby to have any kind of choking or any challenges so that they taste it and then, you know, they, they taste it with their mouth. They get the flavor of it. It's really good. No preservatives, no salt, no sugar, nothing. Just the pure fruit, right? You take that and you can use that. You can use that to feed a baby. Same apple, different process because of the purpose. Okay. All right, all right. I'm trying to share with you that everybody's process is not the same because everybody's purpose is not the same. You may go through something. You write, you and a sister start out the same time. You and a brother start out the same time on anything. Let's say you, you learn into, you're learning to practice for a marathon. You start the same way, same training. Your process and his process is different because you're different. Or 
you may be saying, well, I'm going to train with this person so that I can run a marathon. They're, run, they're learning to do a sprint. Different processing, right? Different training. One person needs to do burst. One needs to have endurance. So it's going to be different. So you, this is what I'm saying that we're going to talk about trusting the process. Okay. So when First Peter, First Peter 1 and 7, I want you to remember that because it's saying that the trying of your faith is not, the process that you go through is not trying you. It's trying your faith. Because the thing is, your faith is very precious to God. And the enemy knows this, okay? So he is always attacking you so that your faith will be weakened. He wants you to give up your confession of God. He wants you to give up on believing what God has said to you will surely come to pass. He wants you to give up believing God is able to do just what he said. Because if he can stop it, that's what he did to Job. He says, I bet you, God, if you take away all of his stuff, the only reason he's... he's, um, He's praising you and honoring you and blessing you. is because he has the stuff. He was trying Job's faith because he wanted Job to stop believing God. Stop believing that the things that he had done all along to bless God meant nothing. Because the story says that Job was very righteous. He was a very righteous man. He was giving offerings on behalf of his children in case they had sinned. He was constantly before the Lord. Now, this at the time, he might have been among a lot of pagan pagan rituals, but he remembered God, and he constantly gave God the honor for all that he'd done. Right? And he had been blessed. Of course, God loves it when we put him first. God wants you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So all these other things will be added. But here he was in a state of being in his wealthy place. Happy, his children. He had sons and daughters and they had lived and they had grown. And he even had a house. They had their own house on his property. So he and the wife were in this house. They were in their own mansion. It's not their own bedroom now. We're talking about their own house. Their own servants. Their own people to take care of them, right? He had been blessed beyond measure because he was putting God first. And now, all of a sudden, everything is taken away. Would you even think about God? Would you even consider? The most you might actually do, I'll say, okay, the most that I might do would be, God, what is going on? is the purpose of this why am i going through this why did you take everything from me why is it that i'm getting this sickness these boils on my skin why did you take my children my children that i love and i gave you offerings on their behalf i told you i prayed that you would take care of them i was there every time the church opened i was there i was doing all the stuff that you told me to do So what was the point of all of that? You mean to tell me, God, that everything that I've done 
from this from the time of my birth to now mean nothing that this time here you let me get into this kind of problem I can't even see I, you know when you you know when you're hurt and you're in pain you can't even see straight your mind is confused you don't even know you, you're talking crazy what would you do because it was what the trying of his faith and here he comes I'm going different because I'm just letting the Lord leave me because this story is a wonderful story. I love the story of Job. Um, here he comes. He calls his friends. Well, his friends hear about it, you know. You know how friends are, everybody. Everybody talking. Y'all hear about what happened to Job? This, did you see? The only people that left to him is his wife. His house fell down. His church house fell down. Things burned up in the field. All the animals are dead. Oh my God. So his friends heard the buzz. And they say, brother, man, I don't even know what to tell you. I'm going to just sit with you right here. Because Joe sat, they said Joe sat down in sackcloth and ashes. He said, I'm going to just sit right here. And I'm going to be in this pity party right here. Because listen, I don't even know what I'm going to do next. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I mean, think about it, right? Yeah. His kids are old enough to be on their own in their own house. They're probably late teens, early 20s maybe. They had, obviously, they hadn't been married off to leave their father's house. So that means 20 years. Let's say 20 years of your life had already passed. You had your kids at about 20. So he's on his 40s. Now I got to have more. Now I got to find my wife probably already going through her change of life. So I, mean, I got to find another wife who can now have more children 20 more years just for them to get to this place. So I'm going to have to go through the whole. Wow. He can't, probably can't even think about replacement. But what, do I, what am I thinking about? Then he goes, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit right here. Something's got to happen. Friends come up, right? The friends show up. You know how friends are. They say, man, you sure you didn't do something? You sure you did the right thing? You sure? You sure you didn't have some kind of secret sin that you you pretending that you so pious and righteous and 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 you you pastor you leader you everybody knows you you telling me you must be have done something to deserve this? It's not it's not people kind of people wicked, right? You telling me I deserve what I'm going through? What kind of craziness is that? And you're supposed to be my friend. You're supposed to be my, you know, my grandmother uses this um, term to call them Job comforters. It's really like a negative, it's a negative thing, right? The Job comforters, they're all like, just like people, you know, people come to you and tell you, you know, you know, maybe you need to fast some more. Maybe you need to go to church some more. You need to leave that church because something wrong with you. That's why you get another thing going on at your church. And, um, excuse me, why are you telling me all this? I can't even think straight. You ain't giving me nothing that's going to build me up. You're not even seeing God in this. You're, you're telling me it's about me. But later on in Job... After all this stuff, and he said, and Job even, I mean, come on, the man was human, right? He even said some things about cursing the day he was born, and oh, he wished he had never been born, and my goodness. 
You can't tell God that. You can't tell God that. You know that God created you. He had to bring your mother and your father together from wherever they were, never having seen each other, to bring them together, to fall in love, to have you. And if that wasn't necessarily your story, he still had to get them together by some kind of way, shape, or form so that you could end up on the planet. So you're telling me out of the seven and a half billion people on the earth, you was the only mistake. That you was here by some sort of poof, some sort of, uh, what is it, chaos. Just, you just happen to show up. And you have no purpose here on this planet. No, no, that's not how it works. Jeremiah chapter 2 tells you that from, your, from the time you were in your mother's belly, he knew you, he formed you. He actually ordained you and had a purpose for you. You have a purpose. But for each person that has a purpose, understand that you don't get to your purpose without going through a process. And depending on your purpose, you may go through multiple processes. Multiple. So, for example, if you are only, if you are meant to be, if you're meant to be someone who is encouraging, you're going to experience discouragement. Being discouraged, being down, having people tell you that you can't. You're going to experience that. That's going to be part of your process. So when you meet somebody who's in the same situation, you now can give them words of encouragement because you've been there. I know what that's like. I remember what it was like when I was looking for people to tell me some kind of a good encouraging word, something that would stop me from taking my life, something that would stop me from drinking myself under the table, something that would stop me from shooting up, something that would stop me from smoking myself silly, something that would stop me from going out there and jumping in front of a train. Nobody, nobody, nobody was there for me. Discouragement. Maybe you have a gift of healing. And the way we talk about a gift of healing, right, is that you have the faith that God can heal. That's where the gift of healing comes in. You have the faith that God can heal. It doesn't matter what. This healing power doesn't discriminate because once it's poured out, it doesn't matter. Healing is for whatever is wrong. It doesn't have like, not like he have more healing for those who have cancer versus less healing for those who have a headache or somebody who stomp your toe or somebody who has, um, you know, fibroids or somebody who has, it's the same healing power because it's the same God. He doesn't, he doesn't stop or limit his blessing. It's whatever you have the capacity to receive. So if you are on the track that's one of your gifts. That's one of the things that, you know, your process now. You're going to go through some situations that are going to require you to exercise your faith for your healing. Because then what happens? You see somebody who's going through something and you say, you know what? Like my sister was saying this morning, I can tell you my testimony. I remember when my heart, I had, heart, had to have heart surgery. And God was able to open me up with these surgeons, fix the situation, and bring me out of that. If he 
could do that. He could do, he can fix a broken leg. He can fix your constant headaches. He can fix the pain in your back. He can fix the skin disease. He can fix, because what is too hard for God? You begin to have a testimony that gives people encouragement and understanding. Now you're talking not just from a place Job said it. He says, before I heard about God. Because in all this time that he was doing all of this offering and stuff is because he had heard about God from his youth. He knew about God. But then he says, now I have known you for myself. He had a personal encounter with God because remember, if you remember the encounter somewhere around 38, 39, 40, God says, who was with me when I hung the stars in the balance? Were you there? How, do, how dare you curse the day you were born? Do you know anything about how this world came to be with all of its beauty, all of its splendor, all of the wonder? How do you dare? Tell me that you should not have been born. And he then said, wait, oh, God. I mean, anybody want to be able to stand up to God and say, well, I think and I thought and I was, you ain't come, you're not explaining nothing at that point. Because there are times God will speak to you like that, you know. There are times when he will talk to you in a kind of rough way. Yeah. Kind of pull you up. Because you're talking crazy. You're talking out of pocket. What's wrong with you? Because remember, our faith is released by the words of our mouth. So is our fear. You speak in things that does not bring you to the expected end where you want to go. Because you lack faith. Your faith is being tried. So just give me a, give you a piece of advice. If you're in a trial, watch what you're singing. Even if you're thinking it. Because there's a power that is released when you open your mouth and say something. Positive or negative, it don't matter what it is, you will see the manifestation of it. So please be careful not to speak anything negative while you're going through your process. And Job, at the end, it says that Job was restored double. Double. So he had a house for his children. Now he had a house for the boys and a house for the girls. He had, so he got back children. His wife stayed with him. Because obviously he had, a, either, or he had another wife. Who knows? Maybe he had two wives. I don't know. It doesn't say. I'm just guessing. But all of his money and his, his camels and his sheep and his goat, it was doubled back to him. What was the purpose of that so that people could see if you're faithful to God? You'll be blessed. That was his purpose. Faithful even through the trial. So think about your own purpose. Do you know that um, everybody's heard of olives, right? Everybody here has heard of olive oil. Do you know that to get from the olive, which is about this big, to olive oil, the fruit has to be crushed into a paste so that the oils can be released and everybody knows that's liquid gold evoo is liquid gold it is expensive they can spend you know if you have olive olive um an olive garden a real olive orchard or whatever 
you have good money wherever it's being planned because olive oil is so much in demand because it's and it's so good for you it's healthy it's blessing people use it to heal you know like if you have a cut you put some olive evio on, on a cut it will actually heal it because it has antioxidants and it has so many positive things your stomach is giving you trouble you have a tablespoon that you there's so much you can do with evio and this olive oil but the olive is no longer the olive at that point he's olive face but there was something on the inside of that olive that had to be released. So it had to go through a process. Think about grapes. Grapes are good in their natural state, right? But there's something that is in them that can be released. We call it wine. And wine makes a lot of money. A lot of money. But the grape had to be, again, crushed and pressed. And they talk about being, as a matter of fact, it had to be stepped on. How many of us have been stepped on? Crushed. Your boss says some stuff to you and you're like, what? you know, I've heard some people talk about things that the boss said to them. And my mouth drops open like, wow. You are somebody's supervisor talking to them like that. And I don't mean, I don't mean that they're saying um, curse words or they're talking. It's the things that they say as in, you are never going to get a promotion as long as I'm in this position. So what, what do you do, right? Or you are so, um, you can't learn. Or you will never be good at this job. I don't know why they hired you here. I have to deal with you. There are people that talk like, what the hell? Anyway, sorry. We're not going to go about that. So the point of that story was that there is something more valuable on the inside of you than what you think you have. So for it to be released, you have to go through your process. Sometimes it's a crushing. Not only crushing, sometimes it's um, putting in hot water. Anybody ever heard the story? They tell you, you can see, you can tell three different types of people. Some people are like an egg, some people are like a tea bag, and some people are like carrots. Put them in hot water, changes their personality, all of them, right? The egg becomes hard and firm, right? No emotion. I'm going to deal with it. The tea bag allows the water to kind of flow through it and it gives you this wonderful flavor we call iced tea yes add some sugar and some lime and mix it up the carrot it actually kind of resists the water in a way and it becomes softer yeah. Yeah. and it's more pleasant you know it's, it's good for for, for eating right so you see that same process changes different people. All right, I'm talking about processes because I want you to understand that you have to trust the process. You are in a process. Your spiritual walk is a process. You will go through something that you don't understand, don't agree with, don't know why it's happening to you. Your resolve has to be, it's because I'm in a process. I'm going through this because there's something more valuable on the inside of me that God wants to bring out. I mean, look at my sister. 
if, you didn't, if we didn't put you in that hot water, you wouldn't know what was on the inside of you. Your gift had to explode from the inside of you. You had to believe and have faith. Your faith was tried because you could have said, I ain't doing that. No, nope, mm -mm, y'all got to find somebody somewhere out there <laughs> to make it happen. But you know, because your faith was tried. How many of us in the same situation that we are completely unfamiliar, maybe not completely unfamiliar, I've never been here before, but I'm familiar, I've seen it done. I never, me, never mean a million years, I ain't doing it, you know, I'm not nobody's pastor, I ain't nobody's minister, I ain't nobody's father. You never could see yourself, and then all of a sudden, boom, there you are. And you're like, okay, what do you do? Are you going to have faith, or are you going to give up your faith? Here's another little interesting research that God showed me. Do you know that some items in their natural state are poisonous? Yes. Okay, let's talk about a couple that you probably know. Did you know that cassava or yucca, 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 is poisonous, raw, natural state? If you ingest it, you can die. But if you process it correctly, it's food. I mean, they make yucca fries. Love those. <laughs> Did you know that raw cashew? Raw cashews. Not dry. It's not dry. The green cashew, the nuts off of the tree. Not the fruit part because the cashew nut has a fruit and then the nut hangs off the bottom. If you took that nut and didn't dry it or process it in some way, you can die. I didn't know this, but mango, if it's not, if there's certain people that mango can kill them because they're hypersensitive. Mango, we all die. I mean, if it's really ripe and everything, that's different. Castor oil seed, right? We hear castor oil has great uses. It's good for hair, it's good for skin. We use it as laxative, we use it for all these kinds of stuff. Do you know that the castor oil, the castor seed, the natural seed can kill you if you don't if they don't roast it. Nutmeg, right? Pumpkin spice, nutmeg. Too much of it. If you take a teaspoon or or more, you can hurt yourself. If you ever tell you, what did I tell you? Sprinkle yes. nutmeg. Small amount. Yeah. Pinch. Green-skinned potatoes can kill you. If you do, even if you cook it, it has a toxin in the skin. It must be the brown, fully uh, mature potatoes. And we probably heard of this. Certain kinds of mushrooms can, of course, be hallucinogenic. And if you have too much of it, it can kill you. Why am I telling you about this? You in your natural state, the way that you came out of your mother's womb, that you've been before you met God, was toxic. You could kill someone by the words of your mouth. You remember? Remember what you like? You, you quick and easy to flip off some kind of comment about something. And look at you. You 
this and you that and you have the head roll and uh, your attitude and everything and you could tell them about the cell from the A to Z and W going back from from Z to A and you know all about where they come from and how they come here and what all right somebody out there you know you know that's you you know that's you you could tell somebody about themselves you're toxic God had to put you through your process so now you can become valuable to him. Food, something he can work with. You might have been the kind of person, not just your words. And you know, words are really very powerful. You know, you can really, you can really stop someone. You stop their dreams. You can stop them from moving forward. You can, you can stagnate them. Sometimes intentionally or not intentionally, you really could just just really hurt somebody, and you think it's just words, but totally not even paying attention. Later on in your process, you may discover, oh my gosh, I said some things to some people. Who I should not have said. You may not even have the opportunity to repent to them and say I'm sorry for the words that you said to those people, but you can repent to God. I want you to think of some people who in their natural process, these are a couple of people that I saw, in their natural state, before they went through their process, were toxic. Peter. You know, you know Apostle Peter. You know, you know Peter. Peter was quick to jump in. Yes, yes. God, I'm going to go with you to the ends of the earth. God, I'm going to, Jesus, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be there for you. And as soon as the pressure was on, what? You calling me? I, I don't know that man. Don't, don't tell me I'm not associated with him just because I have the same kind of clothes from that neighborhood. That don't mean anything. I don't know him. Don't ask me about him. Don't tell me about him. Don't look. I, I don't know nothing about him. Same Peter. John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17, tells you a little bit about the story. After. Peter went through his process. You know what is his process? Jesus looked on him and loved him. When you encounter the love of God like that, in spite of your mess, in spite of the way that you acted, you spoke, you behaved, can you really, really say the same? I mean, you might have been in church all these years, a few years, all these years, whatever. But you really never change on the inside. But you have this encounter where you just blow up and you really cut. You're like, I don't know nothing about these church people, and I don't want to do church down there. And, I don't and then God just pours out his love on you, your family. What can you do? What do you do? You're going to just stay hard? You just kind of have no choice. And it says in John 21, 15, it says, um, Jesus met Peter and Jonas, uh, Simon, son of Jonas. Um, they were dining, they were in the upper, they were in a room. And Jesus, from 15 to 17, it talks about it, and he says to him, do you love me? Because, you know, it was that 
Peter knew Jesus loved him. And in that moment of fear and doubt and lack of faith, he said some things and denied Jesus. So Jesus now is coming back to restore him. And he says, do you love me? And he says, almost like, you know, still kind of forgetting who he was and what he did. He said, but yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know, you know everything. You know I love you. As a matter of fact, he said, yes, he says, he said unto him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Okay, uh, that's a side, by the way. Husbands, wives, don't assume that you don't need to say I love you to somebody. But we're going to come back to that later. He said unto him, feed my lambs. He said unto him again, he asked him the same question basically three times. And he said to him, feed my sheep. But you know what it was? Give me verse 17. Look at the difference all of a sudden. It's like it suddenly clicked what Jesus was getting at. He says, it's like all of a sudden he just got soft. He didn't go, yes, Lord. He didn't even, it's like, you know, it's like saying, you know, I can't even say yes to this. You know if I love you because you've seen all about me. But, you know, you know that I love you. It was his process at that moment of restoration so that God could use him because we know that Peter was the one that kept the apostles together when they were scared. He was the one that went out on a journey and he went and spoke to the Hebrews. He was sent to the Hebrews. He was out there talking to the people. He was out there talking to the Gentiles. He did a lot after that. He started to feed the sheep and the lamb. His purpose it's almost as if he had to go through the denial. He had to go through that embarrassment. He had to go through that feeling of knowing what it's like to not love Jesus in that moment due to fear. So that he would not, no matter what came against him in the future, it wouldn't shake him. It wouldn't, keep, it wouldn't make him fall off the wagon. Mark, a young man named Mark. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 is the scripture, where the scripture is. Mark was with Paul on a few of his journeys. And the thing is, I don't know what happened, okay? He was young, and he was zealous for the kingdom. He wanted to go with them on the journey. And at some point, Paul says, I don't want Mark with me. He's like, no. Sometimes we kind of get hurt because, you know, the leaders tell you, no, not now, not yet. Right? And it was because he was raw. There was something he realized in him that he had not yet been developed to a place where he could withstand some of the stuff that Paul would have to go through, like being beaten and thrown in prison and being bitten by snakes and having to run and flee in the middle of the night or being in the middle of a, a storm or something like that. He didn't quite, he was too green, too young, not able to withstand, immature. Yet in 2 Timothy verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, he actually says, um, Timothy, when you come and bring Mark with you, he actually sent for him because Barnabas, Barnabas took him under his wing, yes. right? 
Barnabas took him under his wing yes. so that he can train him, disciple him, make sure that he gets to be mature. He says, take Mark and bring him with me for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He actually sent for him because now he had heard that he had matured and he was actually ready now for the purpose that God had for him. Sometimes you might be separated to another place because you're not ready for the purpose that God has for you. Separation is not feel good. You might feel it's like an embarrassment. Oh, you know, they made me sit down. They put me to sit down because, I mean, I've been there. They put me to sit down and I should be doing this and I should be doing that. And um, I have talent and I have gifts and nobody wants to use me. Wait a minute. Is it about you? Is it about your gifts? Who cares? It's all about Jesus. It's about the Lord. It's about what he wants to get out of you. One of my, one, one interesting one, because we have a few more minutes. Think about Jonah, right? Jonah's process. He had to be swallowed by a big fish because he was running away from the purpose. How many of you are still running and running and going down to Tashish and going far in the opposite direction of what God told you to do? You're going to encounter your big fish soon. <laughs> you might be in a storm because what ended up happening is that he now put other people's lives in jeopardy because he was not in alignment with what God wanted for him. So all these people on the boats, while it was tossing and turning and stuff like that, they said, well, I don't know how they figured it out. But maybe they, maybe, you know, they got a revelation or whatever. They say, you know, we are this because of you. Sometimes people will blame you. And really, they're right. Because, with, you know, that's why I was loving it this morning. Our worship was amazing. Listen, please, we invite you to come out to the sanctuary and participate in the worship and praise. It is nothing like it. Because God does something during the worship where he is speaking his word. He's letting it flow. You can get healed. You can be delivered. You can get answers to your questions even in the worship before the word even goes forth. Here he was. <laughs> He's like, um, okay, you know what? Um, throw me overboard. Toss me in the water. It was. It will become silent. And so, so, so now, can you imagine these people are like, I don't really care about you like that. I care about my life. Yeah. Go, boop, yeah. drop them over the side of the boat without a question. Okay, and really, God delivered them. He did save Jonah, but Jonah was now isolated for three days, and he was spit up on the on the shore. He took the boat and went the way that God told him to do. Sometimes, because we are running from our processes, we can put other people's lives in danger. Be careful with the people you're connected with. 
because we are not an island. We are not here by ourselves. We don't get to say, well, it's just because it's just me, so whatever. I will stand the consequence. The people connected to you experience the same consequence. You do not experience any consequence by yourself. You think you do. Because people don't necessarily tell you, you know, um, Sister Phyllis, um, you know, I'm connected with you and, you know, I'm going through all of the stuff and all of the stuff. And they start telling you what they're going through and you're like, um, I'm going through some of the same stuff. What? God is because of me? That you experiencing this? Because you may not have the conversation because you don't, you know, we don't always want to tell on ourselves to people. We don't want to tell them that, oh, you know, um, I, I was kind of wayward and I, I didn't, you know, I was kind of acting out against my, my family and I was yelling at people and cursing them out and flipping them the bird and all that stuff. But, you know, I'll take the consequences for that. And then you show up and all of a sudden you hear your, your kids say, you know, my man, somebody almost run me off the road. God, thank you for your mercy. Even while I was acting a fool, you were still taking care of them. But you are out of alignment, so now <laughs> you put people in jeopardy. Daniel chapter 4. Let's go to Daniel chapter 4 really quickly. This is a story. Um, so Daniel was a prophet. He was a young boy when he was kidnapped and brought to Babylon. And uh, in that time, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, when you read the story, okay, he was the king. When you read the story, Nebuchadnezzar was actually a very powerful king. He was an amazing strategist. He took conquest over a vast area of, and created this kingdom of Babylon that was huge. And he was over all. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, though, that God is the one that brings the um, promotion, right? Increase and promotion. Yes, yes. He sets up one and sets down another. So it's not that Nebuchadnezzar, even though he was a pagan, right? It was not that he was all that. It was that God had blessed him in a way because of the purpose that he had for him. Nebuchadnezzar, king, great king that he was, Daniel was sent to him to tell him, um, Nebuchadnezzar, oh great king, he was respectful to him because he of his office. Oh great king, um, I just want to let you know that God is ready for you to acknowledge him as the most high God. And you got to do some things and he, got, he laid out what he needs to do. Do you know that Nebuchadnezzar in his pompous, arrogant, full of himself, a whole year he had, God gave him a whole year to get himself together. And he still turned around at the end of that year and said something, oh, he beat his chest, he beat his chest about how big he is and how, look at all the stuff that I've gained and look at all that's going on and all of this and, you know, bigging up himself, forgetting about God. And immediately... It says immediately yes. he went and he started to eat grass yes. like a cow. His nails grew and curled and he was on all fours. And it says that he did not even go back to the palace. He slept outside under the dew and under the burning sun. 
And it was almost like I said, he went crazy. Because he didn't follow the process. But even that, it says for seven years that I became as a state in that state. And when he came out, guess what he said? He says, only Jehovah is the most high God. What kind of process? I always said to my mother, from a young woman, always, I don't like pain. I do not want to go through situations where I'm going to lose my mind, lose my money, no, lose my house, lose my this, my job, my back, my dad. If it's something that I have to do, I have to change, I have to stop, I have to go, I have to do. I am not going to allow myself to experience that kind of situation, which is the extreme of the process. Because you know what it was? He was going in the opposite direction. It's easier. It's easier. Okay? I need a job. Oh, I need a machine. Come, 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 come. It's easier, right? Give her a hand, give her a hand, give her a hand. Thanks, Philly. It's easier to walk with somebody. Okay, so let's start here. You're going to walk with me. Okay, let's walk this way. It's easier to walk with somebody and guide them. Keep walking and guide them than it is to do this. Come back here. You walk that way. Okay, now I got to pull her back. Come on, pull her back to turn around to go this way. Thank you very much, honey. Isn't it easier to just come alongside God's purpose for your life and just say, okay, God, now you only have to make small adjustments. It might hurt a little bit, but he gives you the salve. He's the garment Gilead. He gives you the salve, makes it easy. He makes it possible that when you're running in the opposite direction, now he got to put, he got to stop you, pull you back because you're still kicking and screaming trying to go forward that way. Then turn you around and send you on this. For all that time, you was doing all that nonsense. You could have been over there experiencing the blessing, experiencing the goodness, experiencing his kindness, experiencing his mercy. But you're fighting because you so want to remain like yourself. You so want to continue being you. Oh, I've been like this my whole life. And... And our Christian walk is not about us remaining the same. It's not. It is not about us coming to Jesus and we are still who we were before we encountered him. It's a process. He wants to change us. He wants to move us. He wants to bring us to an expected end. All right, remember Jeremiah 20, 11, it says he has an expected end. But I want you to turn to Romans 8, verse 28 and 29, because we're winding down already. God is awesome. I'm not going to read that scripture because there's two more things I want to talk about, processes. There are some processes that are invisible. Only you know it's happening. Only you know it's going on on the inside of you. It's an invisible process but you will see the results on the other side. There are some processes that are like the metamorphosis of a caterpillar. It starts off in one state, and it looks completely different. 
but you know something is happening because you see it went in, it first of all it starts eating everything in sight it eats all the leaves on all the tree that it's on and eats everything that's really fat then it goes into this cocoon and it sits there and it seems like nothing happening but you know something's happening because it's in a different state so something must be going on and then all of a sudden it struggles its way out of its cocoon and it's beautiful butterfly Faith. These are all examples of how faith in your life works, how developing your faith works. Because the process is not about you per se. The process is about your faith, which is precious to God, right? That was according to 1 Peter 1 and 7. The trying of your faith is to the honor and glory of God. So that your faith now is like, wow, it's like a trophy God can hold up before the devil and say, see? Look at that faith. That faith is shining like a beacon. It's making it like, wow. There's also a part of this process, by the way, called being tested. So it's like this. If you are cooking, right, you know you're applying heat. So that's the process. You're applying heat. At some point, you're going to have to test the meal to see if it's the right texture, if it has the right flavor, if it's the right temperature, because if you're grilling, you know, you don't want food to be undercooked. You have to test it. So sometimes you will be tested in your process. And if you're not ready, you're going to go through the process more. Or worse yet, you have to start from the beginning and go through the process again. Come on. Who wants to go through an again process? I'll be like, okay, I'll stay, I'll stay right here. I'll take it, I'll take the heat right now. Okay, okay, okay. Because it just means it's a little longer. Right? If we're baking, we know that if you test it and you see it just the, the, the stick, you know, it doesn't fall, but it just you stick it and it's still kind of wet. You just need to leave it a little longer and the cake will be ready. So some processes are like that. You don't have to start from scratch. So Romans 8:28. We've heard of the scripture. And you out there in Facebook, listen, we love you. We love you with the love of God. We're not trying to hurt you by what we share. We're not trying to um, embarrass you or make you angry. What we're trying to do is help you to become more like Jesus. What we're trying to do is give you information so that you can live a life that gives God pleasure. So that when God looks at you, he sees himself in you. We want you to experience, right? That's what we come here for every Sunday. So that God can do a work in us. So that now when people look at us, we're not the same old, same old. 20 years from now or 20 years from then, where we are now, they don't look at you and say, wow, you're still the same person. Do you really expect think that's a compliment? Do you really think that's a compliment? It's not. You should be a better person, a different, more enlightened person, softer, your words. Now you understand that you have to speak a certain way, that you don't, you're not quick to just pull off and say anything, and you don't just, you know, something happens, you just jump. No, 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 you actually learn how to, okay, let's evaluate. Let's see what's going on. Let's see if this is, if we need to move, if we need to wait, if we need to do anything. Yes. Maybe we just need to just, it'll work itself out. 
right? With your kids, sometimes you like that. You don't want to just jump and see. You might leave it to a moment and see how your kid's handling something. They might, they might tell you, no, mommy, I got this. <laughs> right? So you go through that situation. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. God showed me this, and I loved it. I was like, this, I, I never made a connection between the two, but here we go. We know this is a familiar passage of scripture. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you would have heard it says, and we know, pastor, that all things work together for good. So now that love God, do you love God? Yes. Do you love God? Amen. So that means it's working together to them who are the called according to his purpose, right? Purpose. But now read number 29. Let's go to 29. For whom he did foreknow, which means he knew you from your mother's womb, yeah, yeah. he also did predestinate. Yes. In a, right? Destinate is yeah. destination. He already had in mind an end game for you. He already knew where you would end up so that you would be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is why we tell you the end game is not for you to remain the same. Your end game is for you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That when people look at you, they will say, wow, something is different about you. They might remember you from back in the day. You know, you were Jenny on the block, right? <laughs> they remember that you quick to pull hands. They remember that you quick to pull out your earrings and jump right in the fray. But all of a sudden, you're not that person anymore. You're the one that say, you know what? A soft, a soft answer turns away wrath. Amen. We don't need to fight. God loves you. But it's like, they're going to be shocked because they know who you were. And now you become more like Jesus. Because Jesus even told Peter that. He said, Peter, you, those who live by the sword, die by the sword. And he healed the man's ear after Peter cut it off. He was not about the fight. He was not about jumping in and let's take them and we could take them. We got enough of us against them. We got it. We got this. He was about peace, love, bringing people up, not bringing them down, helping people to go to their wealthy place helping people to see Jesus in all of his glory. Because a lot of people will not see another Jesus except what you show them by your life, by your activity, by your words. And every time you fight and say, you're not changing the areas that need to be still, that's still the same. Every time you fight that, you fight Jesus. You fight becoming more like him. That's what you're doing. You're fighting, becoming more like Jesus. So there's so much of you still that when God looks at you, he's like, we got to still work on that process because you're not quite there yet. We got to put you back in the fire. We got to put you back in the grinder. We got to put you back in the processor so that you now got to look like Jesus. All right, let's stand to our feet. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. God is good all the time. All the time. He's good. Listen, I will say a quick prayer to cover those who are on Facebook. 
and then I invite you again to come out to worship with us, come out to prayer. Um, we have we have an awesome, awesome pastor. Our pastor. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.